Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. If you are a regular listener, you'll probably notice the new music. I feel like I have to change up the music every couple of months just to keep it fun and fresh, but I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm joined by Kelly, who is a female entrepreneur, and we're talking all about issues that women face in the workplace. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. So I'm so excited to have Kelly Jagger on the show today. Kelly and I have actually done an episode before around eating disorders. And if you haven't checked out that episode, make sure to head to her podcast, check it out. But I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today because we're talking about a really important topic around being a woman in the workplace. And Kelly's currently studying business and she's specializing in marketing and she just can bring quite a lot to the table. And I'm really excited to have her on and just discuss this topic today. But Kelly, I'd love for you to just take a chance to introduce yourself and just share a bit more about yourself. For sure. So thank you, Liz, for the great welcoming. Um, But hi, everyone. My name is Kelly. I am a third year commerce student studying business and specializing in marketing, as Liz had said, and I'm studying at Queens University currently. I'm also an entrepreneur and a freelance brand manager as well on the side. And I also run my own podcast as well. And I'm a mental health advocate, which is why I've been on the show before, but I run that podcast, which is called Girl Covering. So that's a little bit about me, but I'm very excited to hop into some very important topics today. Yeah, of course. And just, um, I mean, just jumping right into it, I think being a woman in the workplace and even just outside the workplace, I think being a woman in general is just still to this day, such a hard thing. And I think that there's definitely a lot of things around feminism that I think I really latched onto and learned quite a lot more about, but just a lot of issues that still occur around the world around just issues around gender and quality. And when you're looking at it from the perspective of women in the workplace, you know, there's things like, you know, a lack of equality and gender pay between men and women. And I think that there's so many different um, statistics that are just so problematic, you know, around um, very few women becoming or being able to be CEOs for some of the world's largest corporations. And I know you were speaking to me earlier a bit about your mom. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, of course. So my mom has been in managerial and leadership roles ever since I was born, really. She's amazing at her job and she's gone to a couple of different companies in her time as well. But right now she's at a pretty high role, but she's always expressed to me how it's harder for her to really climb that ladder because the top leadership roles are typically reserved for men. And she feels that on her and she feels that bit of the glass ceiling effect where, you know, she can't reach the top because there's nowhere to go because men Mm. have said this space is for men. They don't even present the opportunity to women to even get there. If there was, you know, a job opening opening that she could really go into, then of course you take advantage of that, but she can't because it's not even available to her. Even though she's completely qualified, she can't attain that role. And that's because men take that space. And because she's a woman, people think, oh, she can't really handle that. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting in my studies as well, learning why that is specifically, but just how much it still exists. Because you'd think that with society becoming more progressive, that things like this wouldn't exist anymore, at least be less existent. But even though it's getting maybe a little bit better, it's still not at the 
space that it should be at all yet. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's just, it's so crazy to think. And I think that there's definitely that element that sometimes is perceived in the workplace that a women are too emotional and they can't handle it. And I think I've had experiences personally, where if you just show the smallest bit of emotion, I think that a lot of male superiors that I've kind of been in those situations with kind of freak out and like, don't really know what to do. And they're like, you know, this isn't professional and this isn't, you know, how you're supposed to be acting. And it's just, it's crazy because it's, you know, it's not really speaking to us not being emotionally capable of, you know, handling that role, but it's just, it's really just such a play on women in general. And it's such a terrible label that men put on women, I feel. And just reading some through some of the statistics as well. And just, I read one where it definitely said, you know, women are less likely to have access to senior leaders. And um, I was just thinking of that when you were speaking about your mom, and there's a study that found that 27% of men have never had a substantive interaction with the senior leader about their work, but 33% of women and 41% of Black women say the same. And while 40% of men report that they have never, that they never have an informal interaction with the senior leader, 49% of women and 54% of Latina women and 59% of Black women reported the same. And so it just, it's crazy because it's like, you know, it's not that we're not capable or that we're not qualified. It's just, you know, how it's like the norm of how things have been for way too long. And it just feels like, you know, someone needs to step in and really change the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's so many stereotypes against women and women have to work so much harder to attain these leadership roles. And that's not something that has or should be really in place because women are just as deserving and they have to work harder than men. And being in a business program, you see these shifts between men and women so so often and it is it's really discouraging too being in in the program like that because you see so many of these privileged men who get roles handed to them when they don't show up to class they don't really put these hard work into their projects but they just get these roles because they're a man and if they interview with a man even better because they kind of just connect mm-hmm. and they get those roles and it's really hard to see as a woman going into business because you want to see a hopeful future but it's just not there and because of all these stereotypes that exist people think that women are more more emotional when sure we're emotional but so are men and Mm. I think that that is something that is totally not even looked at and what I learned from my courses this year is women have more communal traits as it's called so they're more kind they're more caring whereas men have these energetic qualities and that's more harsh and, and more qualities that are typically associated with a leader. So that's why men and leadership is typically associated with each other. But for women being have these communal traits that's seen as a weakness, as seen as some type of way that they can't handle being a leadership. So when women act in these leadership qualities or these agentic qualities, they're then faced with discrimination because men are thinking, oh, she's being too harsh. She's being rude. She's being all these things that she shouldn't be because she's supposed to be communal and not a leader. So it's kind of deep in this, really deep in these stereotypes and really deep in these qualities that are associated with men and women and all of these things that it's hard to break through because this is something that's been taught to us and that's been instilled in culture and society for so long. And it makes it even harder for 
a woman to prove herself or have the space to even prove herself. And I think that that is what makes it so hard is sometimes that space is not even offered to you. And I've been lucky enough to have a lot of female leaders in my time as well as male leaders. But from the female leaders, I see the barriers they face and I see how they're stuck at the same management role or they leave the co- the company. Mm. So it's, it's really discouraging being a young woman to see that, is this what I'm going to have to face? Is nothing really changing? And when everything came out about the Me Too movement, sure, there was a little bit of shift, but nothing really lasted, which again, it it is discouraging because you see a change, you get hopeful for a change, and then it kind of just goes away. So that's kind of my viewpoint on it and how I'm worried for the future. I want to be hopeful and I am seeing a few changes, but it needs to be a more collective effort. And I think more men need to be aware of the situation too, because it doesn't just come from women trying to break down these barriers. It comes from men to let the space go to women sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you were saying there just about the difference between having a male superior versus a female superior just really makes me think of the two experiences that I've had in kind of those two instances. And one I compare the two when I had a female superior she's still a really close colleague of mine to this day but there was just a lot more she made it a lot more of a personable experience and I think I think she was really able to make the environment and the work environment one that was welcoming of everyone that made people feel comfortable and accepted and you know and it sometimes you even could talk about like you know just personal things that you were going through and but it was nothing that was like you know bullied she would never bully you or harass you about that stuff. She was she was more so kind of being like a very open person and just like a listening ear, which I know that is that's perceived very much for women and kind of having that nurturing aspect. But I think I think in the professional world that almost is just like so helpful just because we spend so much time at work or working if you're working from home. And I think you really have to kind of look at it from the perspective that, you know, the people that you're working with are human beings. And you know, it, this versus my experience working under a male superior was just so vastly different. And it was trying to, you know, fit this mold that he wanted. And it wasn't, you know, not asking too many questions because you didn't want to piss him off and having to deal with all of the super awkward instances that I think a lot of women face and what you were speaking about in that Me Too movement part. And just, and I know that there's a, a statistic that I read that say that women are far more likely to to be hit on quite a bit at work. And um, 35% of women in full-time corporate sector jobs have experienced sexual harassment. And it's it's especially awkward when you have a male superior and it's, you know, you might be trying to present information. You might be trying to just have a very professional conversation, but, you know, maybe his eyes suddenly wander to your chest, or maybe he makes an inappropriate comment about you or, you know, like a LinkedIn photo or something. And it's just this really uncomfortable aspect that I don't think, you know, your woman line manager would ever say to you, but it just, it's so different because even if like a woman line manager were to say that, I almost feel like I'd feel more comfortable having a discussion with her around maybe something weird that happened. But with a male superior, they're going to look at you and say, what are you talking about? And they're going to start accusing you of things and start throwing it back at you. And I think there's just, there's also just this element of, you know, these males in these senior roles that really feel like they have so much power and they walk around and they flaunt it. And it's, it's in a way that is so demeaning 
to the employees around them. And they just, it's in a way that just is not caring at all for the, their employees. Exactly. And the statistic you gave about women and being um, harassed, I think that number is way higher too, because a lot of it goes unreported too. I think people mm. don't really realize that. And women are typically a lot more personable as leaders, but there's nothing to say men can't be either. Mm. That type of leadership is so much more effective when a leader or a manager is more personable with their team, shows that they care about their team, creates a comfortable environment. It's proven to be a more successful environment and a more environment that people excel in and that the organizational, the organization itself does well in. So I think that it's shocking to see how many men don't get that yet. And women may lead this certain type of way, but it is successful. And I think people don't really realize that. And I've had one <laughs> superior who was a male who did lead that way. And it was a great environment to be in. It was fun. It didn't feel weird. It was great. But that's so uncommon because most of the time, my male superiors have been older than me, old enough that it's been weird when they make comments. And in my experience, I'll say it's never happened, but a man will make a comment to a female colleague. But when has a female leader ever really made the same comment to one of their male mm. team members. It's just not as common. And I have never personally have heard or seen an instance where it's a female leader harassing one of their colleagues. Not to say it's never happened. It probably yeah. has. But just looking at it statistic wise, that doesn't really happen. And why does that not happen? Because that shouldn't be happening. It, it's weird for your manager to say, oh, and make a weird comment towards you. Like if someone were to say, oh, you look nice today. That's great. Leave it at that. But some people really go beyond that. Yeah. And it still doesn't make any sense to me because that person is not going to work better in that environment. And that's you know, scientifically proven that people are not going to work better in an environment they feel unsafe or uncomfortable in. So why do these male leaders feel the need to do that? And a lot of them say that, oh, they don't know. And they say negligence, basically. But that's just not the truth. They know what they're doing. And I think it's so bizarre to me to understand how men can keep doing that and then have a worse performing team or have a team that's uncomfortable. Whereas a female leader who makes it more of a warm and welcome environment really cares about her employees and therefore wants them to succeed. And they do. Mm -hmm. And I find in the environments that I've been in where I've been in a team of both men and women and we have a female leader, the men excel, the women excel pretty equally. No one's really given preferential treatment. I mean, that could be the case in other circumstances. I don't know, but it's really mind boggling to me to see how men continue to act this way and be seen as this good leader when they're really not really doing anything good in their leadership. They're being a manager, but they're not being a leader. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to get your thoughts on and see what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely a difference between the two. And I think that there's a difference between, you know, being the manager or being like the CEO of a company and not really trying to make it a personable experience and trying to actually get to know your employees and treat them as equals. I think there's definitely an element where I think that it can, it can definitely be said that a lot more male superiors definitely kind of enjoy and appreciate that hierarchical 
aspect and they like to kind of almost look down on others versus like when I was under my one of my previous female line managers it never felt like she was you know my superior even though she was but she kind of she made it feel like everyone in the room was an equal and everyone on the team was an equal and we were just able to be so much more proactive in our projects and our tasks but it's because she took the time to actually get to know each person on the team versus some that might just kind of, you know, they might have the title, but they don't actually show up for the role and they're not actually there and they're not, you know, taking the time to get to know their employees or really put any time into, you know, employee wellness or that sort of a thing. And I think that that's also something that's just so important kind of going forward after this year of COVID and people working from home and, you know, the anxieties that may have been built up from that. And I think there are some companies that I've heard of where they're really just kind of looking to jump straight back into working in person. I think, you know, when you look at other companies where they really want to make sure that their employees feel comfortable and feel safe, and some companies will give them the option of, you know, if you want to work from home permanently, that's fine. If you want to do a mix of working in person and, and in home, like, you know, then whatever works for you and that sort of a thing. And I think it's, it's, you know, kind of like a relationship where you say, like, you know, the employee will work for you for you know, eight, nine hours a day. But in return, that company or that line manager is actually going to respect and, you know, give that employee and show them, you know, that they care. And I think that that's ultimately something that I feel like maybe a lot of male superiors just don't really think to do is actually care for their employees. Absolutely. And it's so important to show that care for your employees. And in my experience with my last supervisor, who was a woman, when she gave me more opportunities to excel, more responsibilities, and also cared about me. I wanted to work harder. Mm. And this goes for any type of subordinate. It could be a man or a woman. If you're given more responsibilities, you naturally want to work harder and you want to prove yourself and you want to show that you are worth why you're here. And I see that happen more so with women giving out those opportunities and seeing the team as equal while still also maintaining your managerial roles. Because you can also be a leader and also be personable and have this equal level team. And when I've had the opportunity to be a leader in the past, I chose to have the same type of strategy as saying, okay, at the beginning of the year, I have to do my managerial leadership things. And then after that, I let people on my team have the opportunity to take leadership roles or certain responsibilities because at the end of the day, that's what matters most. You want to see people achieve goals in their life and to be a good leader, you have to be someone that is going to help someone grow and help someone achieve great things. It's not someone who tells everyone I'm above you, you do your work, and then we do great things. No, you are a leader who inspires and motivates people to get better because ultimately that's what leads to organizational success. And I think it's important for any type of person who's becoming a leader, doesn't matter their gender, to really realize this. And I have been seeing more people around me, especially in my program, men who are adapting these leadership qualities, which is good, but it's still not always the case. And it's still under 50% of the experiences that I have. So I think that it's something that needs to be taught further. And I'm in a diversity and inclusion class right now. And in that class, I think there are about 50 students in it. And I want to say about three of them, maybe five of them, 
were men. Mm. And in re- it was a great course. It was extremely helpful to me. But when you look at who was in the course, it was mostly people who identified with a marginalized group, mm. and which is great. That's fantastic. However, the people who really need to be told this message are those who have the most privilege, which are typically men. And I think that part, that uh, class is becoming a mandatory part of our program now, which is great because this year was just an elective. But I think changes like that are important because we need to tell the people that aren't listening, this is what's going on. Because in reality, the people who aren't listening are these men who do continue this cycle of bad behavior. And if we have more initiatives in society or in schools or in workplaces, a lot of people who actually are involved in those, maybe there's a couple men, but they're mostly women or people who identify with a marginalized group and you're not reaching the audience of people that you need to reach. So I think having more aggressive programs or more aggressive initiatives in place to get to those people is important because we don't want to see the cycle always continuing and there needs to be some way to break it. And that really happens through education and also through leadership above them. So seeing more leadership opportunities being given to people who deserve it, it doesn't matter of, you know, if they're a man, if they're a woman, people get the leadership opportunities that they deserve. And even in interviews this past year, I was doing a lot of recruiting in the fall and I had interviews with men, with women, with women and men, with two women. And I noticed when I had interviews with a man, oftentimes he would be very stark and harsh to me. And this was my experience with a lot of different men in these interviews. And the women in the interview would always be very friendly. It was like a good cop, bad cop type of thing. And this was the situation for every single one I experienced. Yet when I talked to my friend who applied to the same role and interviewed with the same people, he was like, oh, what are you talking about? The guy was so nice and he was so friendly and we bonded and whatnot. Because a lot of older men or even like middle-aged men who interview, they really, for lack of a better term like bro up (laughs) with the guy they're interviewing and it's hard as a girl because it's more difficult to attract that and when I interview with women not to say they aren't harsh like they have to be they can't immediately be super personable but it's up to you to create that conversation as it should as the interviewee if you want to make small talk then you open people up a bit more but when people aren't willing to accept that small talk which in my experience have been men it's even harder and it it really kills your self-esteem too during the interview if someone's looks like they're ignoring you and I've had so many instances of this happen and I can go through those more but um kind of want to get your thoughts on that yeah no I was just gonna say you totally reminded me of an experience that my flatmate had where she was doing an interview recently and she was with the recruiter and the COO on this zoom call and she really got on well with the recruiter but the COO was this guy who had just come on and it was like so obvious that he hadn't really looked at her experience because he was asking for examples of like marketing, for example, and her cover letter and her resume didn't have any marketing experience. So it was just so evident that he didn't really take the time to actually even look into her or like, you know, learn more about her. And she even said that his body language came across so terribly in, and it was a zoom call too, which is like, I think 
think that that speaks so much to, you know, just not like having bad body language through a Zoom call, I feel like just says so much. And I think that it's so rude as well. And I think that, again, it just kind of goes back to that whole power trip that I think that some guys in these super senior roles have. And she said that at some points he was literally like kind of sitting back and he'd like stretch out his arms and he, you know, and it was just kind of like inappropriate. And it wasn't really like, it was so obvious that he wasn't listening and he wasn't paying attention to her because he'd ask questions, you know, over and over that just weren't applicable to her. And, and she, she definitely said that she felt defeated afterwards, but she kind of looked at it after and realized, you know, why would I want to work for a company like that, where that's kind of how they treat their employees and how, you know, they just don't really take the time to, you know, put the time and effort into getting to know their employees, let alone, you know, people that you're looking to recruit. And you're even just like doing this one interview with. And that friend is also a content writer. And she wrote an article um, recently around microaggressions that women face in the workplace. And I saw a a statistic that said that 64% of women face microaggressions. And these, you know, can be, these can range from anything from being mistaken for a much more junior employee and having their judgment questioned in their area of expertise. And I think I was telling you earlier about how I had this experience in my last role of managing a team of men. And it was four to six men and it was overseas. So all of our calls were Zoom calls, but I can't tell you the amount of times where they would treat me or just be a little bit more rude or aggressive towards me in some of these Zoom calls. But as soon as I put on my male superior, it was like they were treating him like a king. And it was like, oh, okay, we're all fine now. And, you know, and it was interesting because we finally realized that they actually didn't understand that I was their superior and not my boss. And we all actually had to get on a call and say, look, he's not the boss. I'm your boss. And like, he kind of had to tell them that as well and say, you know, I'm not your boss. Liz is your superior. And I hope that we can get that clear. And I hope that that clears any confusion. And it's just, it was a very surreal moment because leading up to that, I just had so many different, quite a few different calls that I had with my boss just around being really frustrated with the treatment that I was getting. But part of it was just kind of, it was, it was kind of shitty just because he kind of said, you know, you have to remember that you're young and you're you're a woman and you're da 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 and just listing these things that were like, these are qualities about me that I can't actually change. You know, it's not like I'm, you know, wearing the wrong colored shirt or I did my hair wrong or something. It's like, I am a young female and there's nothing that you can change about that. You can't change that I have a lack of work experience maybe in managing teams, but like, it's just, you know, sometimes I think men are so quick to assume that, you know, you don't have as much expertise in the work the line of work that you're doing, or they just assume that, you know, there's no way that you can hold as senior of a role. And they just assume that you're probably like, you know, your boss's personal assistant or something. And it's just so insulting. <laughs> 100%. And it's, it's so common. And about your friend's story too, having an experience like that, you want to leave. And that's yeah. why a lot of these companies have higher turnover rates. Because when I had those interviews with those men, I didn't want to be a part of their organization. I had no desire to be a part of what they're working for. And I told some of my friends this and they were like, oh, but a job's a job. And I said, I don't want to work in an organization like that. Like I have these values and a job is almost not worth that. And, you know, I had a recent experience as well, where for one of my classes right now is a negotiation class where you practice negotiations. So I had this one particular negotiation and it was four people against four people. 
And my four people were all women and half of them were women of color. And the people that we were against were all, I believe, four white men. Mm. And at the beginning, we didn't think anything of it. We prepared as you would have if it was anyone else. We had a very integrative strategy. So basically working with them, not a type of competition because those negotiations negotiations often work the best. And throughout the negotiation, we were noticing that they were not listening to us. Every time we put an offer on the table, even if it was completely reasonable, they would literally laugh at us. And they were looking so down on us. They were not practicing good etiquette at all, where we, we the whole time were very professional even when they were saying rude things to us or acting unprofessional, we kept our composure the whole time. And they were just constantly just looking off camera or not paying attention or laughing or not contributing anything to the actual negotiation, except for us just talking and them barely listening and then just saying no. And it was so hard to work with them. And afterwards, I was so frustrated because it's our, it's part of our mark as well. And they are making it harder on us when in any negotiation, the best thing, most of the time, the best thing is to find a situation that works for both people, an outcome that kind of splits the pie, so to speak. And they just wanted to win and they thought that they could. And afterwards, I reflected and realized, oh, they were four white men against four women. And they definitely were using this power that they thought that they had over us and talking over us and not letting us speak and laughing at us and being rude and not taking us seriously in any way. And after it made me upset because I realized you're always going to encounter people like this in your life. And that's Mm -hmm. unfortunate. And at the end of the day, we decided to do what's best for us and decided to make a no deal. And that's very rare. And our teacher afterwards saw that we reported that on our report and talked to us about it. And she was very understanding. She was also a woman. So she was like, (laughs) oh, I've been in those situations before. But yeah, you have to do what's best for you. And in that situation, when you're trying to work with the other party and the other party is using stereotypes against you or being really harsh towards you, you have to stand your ground and you have to do what's right for you as a woman. And I think that applies to the real world as well. You have to make decisions that work for you. And if someone is not going to work in your interest, then maybe you should just walk away and if they're gonna play hard to hardball, then you have to play hardball back. And it doesn't always work. So I don't recommend that for every single situation, but sometimes you have to be a bit more harsh because if people take you as being communal and being, or thinking you're some type of a pushover when you're clearly not, you kind of have to be more aggressive. And then men don't like that because they don't like when a woman is aggressive because they won't admit it, but they feel intimidated and they don't want women to take that space that men should stereotypically be in. And this is such a way of thinking that goes back so many years that is so outdated yet people still think that and I think especially a lot of the people that act like this are people who go through business programs or universities or colleges or some type of education and I think it is really crucial for those educational institutions to teach these people not just women but every single person about what could happen and especially in my school it's known for (laughs) some of the bad behavior between racism sexism all that and Mm -hmm. it's been working to improve that thank goodness however there's still so much room for improvement and I think being a woman in that situation there's not too much you can do but there is certain steps you can take and you have to realize when these stereotypes are being used against you and work accordingly because unfortunately that's something that we have to do but taking those extra steps back to look at the situation and then go into it with a different perspective that would work for them or at least trying different things on them and 
if not going to your superior like you did, those are steps that you can take. And it can be very difficult. It's unfortunate that we are in that position, but unfortunately that's kind of what we have to do. Yeah, no. And I think that this is a perfect segue kind of into just the advice part of this episode. And I think if you're a woman that's listening and dealing with hardships at work, I think the first lesson really that I've really learned recently too, is, you know, a job is not just a job, you know, and but in the instance of don't just take that job just because it's a job, because you really should be looking into the company and you should be looking into how they treat their employees and how how they care for their employees and what that looks like. And, and really being strong and having strong moral values that you stand by, like you say that you do. And just, you know, not taking the job just because it's the first thing that comes. And, you know, I've been guilty of that, but, and I'm grateful for the experiences, but I think there has to be a point where you put your foot down and you say, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I'm not going to let these people bully me or harass me the way that they have been. And you just have to walk away. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you can do that and companies can be quite, you know, it can be a quite calm situation and you just hand in your letter of resignation and you walk away. And in other cases, it can be really aggressive. And and in some instances, they can just be really harsh and really terrible towards you. And I've been in situations where, you know, people have tried to, tried everything that they can to discredit me and assassinate my character. And I've, I've literally been in a meeting where I wasn't allowed to speak unless I was um, motioned to by my male superior. And it's it's just when you're in a toxic workplace or in a toxic work situation like that, I urge you to strongly consider what it is that is actually keeping you in this job. Because if it's not even paying you that well, if they're also just treating you terribly, you just need to walk away because at the end of the day, your mental health is one of the most important things. And, you know, I think it's really important to take care of yourself. And especially when you're a younger female, and I know that a lot of my listeners are kind of in that younger, um, early 20s age group. Don't just take the job because they're offering you a job. But you know, if if it's harming your mental health more than it's helping it, then I think that there's an issue there because I think a job is supposed to help you. I know that people complain about their jobs, but it should be helping you grow. And it should also kind of be teaching you strong tactics for life. And if it's, if it's making you feel like crap every day, and if it's taking away from your quality of life, I think it's just really important to really sit back and question, you know, is this job even worth it if they're not even going to respect me or, you know, treat me like a human being. And I think it's just so important, especially for women to hear that, because I think that, like you said, women can definitely be deemed as pushovers. But I think my message has definitely just always been, you know, fight for what you believe in and stand up for yourself as much as you can. And, you know, whatever it takes, I think it's just so important to make sure that your voice is heard and you're not just staying in a job and keeping yourself silent, but, you know, just really standing up for yourself. And, you know, if it's, if it's just going to have a conversation and having a really awkward conversation with your boss, it's maybe a conversation that's need to be had for quite a while. And just making sure that, you know, you you get through those talking points and you make sure that you feel that you've spoken your mind and just everything that you've kind of kept on your mind. And I just, I feel like, you know, I don't want, I wish 
I wouldn't want to wish anyone, you know, in that situation to be feeling like they're stuck in a job and they can't speak up or anything. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great advice. I think everyone needs to understand that because especially as a woman, it is more likely than not, unfortunately, that you might be in that role. And to echo what you said, that's exactly right. You need to stand up for what you believe in and a job is not always worth it, especially because in those environments, you could be left with trauma from it and you could be left with lasting effects on your mental health and that is not worth it. And even if it seems like no other place wants you and you can't find a job anywhere, there will be an opportunity for you. And maybe you want to try out the company for a little bit. That's great. You can do that. But if it does become toxic, you do need to leave that because you need to think of yourself and your career development. If you think that this job is going to be the end all be all, and this is the only job that will allow you to advance in your career, I promise you it's not. There's not just one job that will advance you in your career. There are so many other opportunities out there. Just look for them and hold your values to a high place. And going off of that as well, my advice would really be as a woman, you have to know going in, it it will be difficult. And that is unfortunate. And I wish it wasn't that way, but you have to be aware of these stereotypes because it's important to recognize them. And when you're going into any workplace, if you know that this could happen to you, you'll be more successful if you anticipate it because then you could fight back against it. And hopefully that doesn't need to happen. And if it gets really bad, like Liz says, you need to make that choice to leave. But sometimes it does take a little bit longer and then people accept you as a leader. And again, it sucks that it takes that long, but if you are a woman and you feel that you love where you work, but some people are pushing back against you or don't have faith in you or something along those lines, you have faith in yourself and you need to be confident in yourself because people are going to try to tell you that you can't do it or you can't excel because they're intimidated by you. And that's because you are powerful and you have it in you to excel. People just want to tear you down because they don't want people with more talent to really go above that. And my biggest piece of advice is be yourself. And if people are being rude to you because you're always speaking out, keep speaking out. They Often people are scared by people who are talented and people who are really great people. And that could be the reason why they're being so horrible to you sometimes because they're intimidated. So just keep pushing through, keep improving and showing what you can do. Because even though if people come back and try to tear you down, that's because you're already amazing and they want to feel better about themselves. But you are amazing and you have the ability in you to really excel. And if you are at a place where you find you can't excel anymore because of the restrictions or a glass ceiling effect at your organization, then leave. Find a new opportunity because there's so many other opportunities out there for you to show who you are and really embrace all the talent you have and really reach your fullest potential. So that would be my advice to women, especially young women who are going to leadership, because I know being a woman is hard, but being a young woman is hard. And I know that I've been a young female entrepreneur. I've been a young female leader and it's hard, especially being younger. But once I show what I can do and really show that my actions have benefits to them and that my team works well under my leadership and they see what I can do, people accept me more. And I feel like I can get closer to reaching my potential. So that's my advice, but um, really echoing a lot of what Liz said as well. Yeah, no, all of that is just 
totally what I was going to say as well. And I think that that is just, I mean, obviously this is just such an important topic. And I think that a lot of what you said is just so important. And especially like you said, for young females that are especially just coming out of university and, you know, coming into the business world, just being able to kind of keep their head on and just, you know, be able to keep moving forward regardless of, you know, the people that try and tear you down. But, but yeah, I just, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing so much of your expertise. And it's been just such a good chat that I've really enjoyed. And I just wanted to kind of give you a chance now to um, share a bit more about your podcast and your socials. And I know that there's a lot for you to plug um, because you've got a lot (laughs) of different little things going on. So I would love for you to just go ahead and take the floor. Sure. Thank you. And and first, before I start, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me the platform to come here and chat. I've loved our conversation today and I think it'll be really impactful the more people that hear it. But yeah, in terms of me, so as I mentioned before, I am the host of the podcast Girl Covering. It's on all streaming platforms and you can find me on Instagram at the Girl Covering for more information. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Kelly Jagger, just my name, K-E-L-L-I-J-A-G-G-E-R. And on there you can find a bunch of links to all the crazy things that I'm doing and all the kind of side things that I'm doing. So my entrepreneurship, some of the articles I've written as well, and some of the things that I really advocate for is all found on my Instagram. But again, big thank you to Liz for letting me come on the show today. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. A special thank you to Kelly again for coming on the podcast. Like I said, I will have all of her links in the show notes of this episode, including a link for my fundraiser for Boston Children's Hospital to support my place in the London Marathon this October. I would love if you would check it out and also make sure to check the podcast out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated. But yeah, hope to see you in the next episode.